know, another day, another uh, post-wrestling show episode yeah. record. I feel like my my voice is not as bad as it's been in the past <laughs> on days like this. Yeah, but it was uh, a good show. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was good. Uh, we ran a show up in Dallas. We're running Dallas for a couple of months uh, through WrestleMania. Because we're doing um, a couple of shows, WrestleMania weekend, and I'll be up there. Like we've got a eleven fifty nine p.m. show on Saturday night, Whoa. April second, and a nine p.m. show on Sunday, April third. Wow, <laughs> pretty cool. Is that far from you guys? I don't remember if we uh, talked about Dallas. It, it's like two. Well, this is technically Fort Worth. It's all like the yeah, same yeah. area. Right, right. Uh, it's like 240 uh, oh. if, if you go by awesome. Google. Um, but, I mean, I was able to do it in like 225, 220. Nice. Yeah, the South is definitely more spread out than like when we – like a three-hour trip for us when we lived in Jackson, that was a short trip. We're like, it's only three hours away. When we got to Erie, everything's so much closer. Like, So an hour and a half became – kind of the standard like oh cleveland's an hour and a half uh pittsburgh's yeah. like you know two hours <laughs> depending on where you want to go you might be able to make it an hour and a half um buffalo's like an hour and a half you know we were like then three hours like three and four hours opened up this entire world of like man when we travel that far we're gonna be in rochester or yeah got any of these <laughs> it looks like i'm really hot again by the way i'm gonna try to fix that uh really quick okay. but um, i was just talking about this with my friends uh, i have a friend who is doing some traveling for work for the first time in a while and he's been going to Atlanta mm. and um Where, and where's he living at currently? He lives in Connecticut. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So um and and he works for Salesforce, um which you know is that big customer resource management thing. Oh yeah, um yeah that behemoth. Like I don't even know. It's one of those companies where I don't even know if they know what they do. It's like uh you know if you if you want your business to do something, they can probably sell you that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um it's like that simple. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I didn't think I'd have a good time. Uh, in is that better or is that about the same? Or um, you were better job? for like five seconds, and then you oh. went right back to like where you were at. <laughs> what about this? I think I'm normally in the 60s. Is this good? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. that's good. <laughs> but anyway, we just got to talk. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know like what happened. Like your volume <laughs> decreased, and then you kept talking, and it went up and up and up and up. And I'm like, I don't know what's what's happening. <laughs> um, but we were just talking about how sub like northern cities are all very compact and built on very small parcels of land. But southern cities are like so unbelievably spread out. Like you know, Houston, for example, oh my is God, I brought yeah. up where I was like, when we went visit our friends in Houston, it took thirty minutes to get like out of their neighborhood. Like it's just so. And we yeah. wanted to like actually go to the city, and they technically lived in the metro. That was like an hour at least to get actually to the yeah. city. It was crazy. From uh from our house here, it is an hour and a half to the venue that we run in Houston, which is in the middle of the city, yeah. like dead center, middle of the city. And I'm within like Houston city limits within like 50 minutes. Like, yeah. and the rest of that time is driving in Houston. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I say it took an hour to get into the city, I mean with zero traffic going yeah. 70 miles an hour or more. You're like going <laughs> the speed limit with no traffic and, and they live in Houston. I'm like, it takes you an hour to get to Houston and you live there. It's like crazy. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I like the uh, compact nature of northern cities as, as opposed to that. I mean, sprawl has a negative connotation. I mean, and you could attribute that negative connotation to it, but it is just sprawl. It's like just so I remember when we, we visited Dallas and it takes an hour to get from the city of Dallas to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And I'm yeah. like, you guys cannot call yourselves the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, which is like 
uh, for for WrestleMania weekend, WrestleMania is at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. It's at yeah. AT&T Stadium this year. And we're running, like, a weekend of shows with a bunch of other, like, partner promotions at a place that's literally two blocks away from the stadium. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know who have never been to Dallas before. There's a lot of other, like, independent wrestling stuff going on in Dallas. Like, in Dallas proper. Yeah. Which is at least a half an hour, 45 minutes away from WrestleMania and, like, anything that, that WWE is going to be doing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And and the other crazy thing about driving in Dallas, if you've been up there already, is when you drive on the highway and you like drive through a Six Flags. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that was so nuts to me. I'm like, what am I looking at? I'm literally we're on the highway and we're going through Six Flags. It was nuts. I think it's on both sides of you, isn't it? When oh, I have no idea. You know, I, I haven't I haven't side. driven through it, but I know about it. Is that uh is that Six Flags over Texas? Probably. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know if it still is a Six Flags because they change hands so often. Yeah. Um, it might even be a Paramount Park at this uh, point because they seem. No, yeah, Six Flags over Dallas. Yeah. So I guess okay. technically it's Arlington, which I guess is kind of where the Cowboys Stadium is too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Like yeah, Arlington, like the... Dallas, Fort Worth, it's all kind of jumbled in there, right? Yeah. Arlington is like the exact halfway point between Fort Worth and Dallas. Yeah. Um, with no traffic, it takes you like 15 minutes to get to Arlington. But again, that's with no traffic whatsoever, which is a, a rarity in the fourth largest city in the country. Yeah. yeah. So it's great to be, yeah, it was great watching, I got to say, like great watching something and prepping for a podcast again because, you know, but it was also nice to have a little break too, although we completely squandered it because whenever Sarah was like, oh yeah, when you take a break, we can like get started early on a Sunday and do stuff. But um, instead we just would lounge around <laughs> like we normally would do until like well after I would have been completed with the podcast. Like we'd finally get yeah. moving around like one or something. Yeah, I was like, you know, <laughs> we're leaving later than we normally did when I was doing the podcast. And also the kids were like freaked out too. Like when I was still just hanging out watching TV, they were like, Daddy, Don't aren't you, you going to go do your do podcast? Something? Yeah, aren't you going to go to work? Like literally my, my son was like, go to work. Daddy, can you go to work? Like that's what he calls this up here. Because, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the easiest way to explain a podcast to a four-year-old. Like uh, I, I got to work, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was like, Daddy, can you go to work? I was like, I don't have anything <laughs> to do. Just do a solo one. You know, like Bill Burr, Mark Maron's first 30 minutes. Like, no, oh I, my God. That's not my thing, Declan. I don't I do not do that. How did, why are you listening to those? Stop listening to the Bill Burr cast. It's not appropriate <laughs> for a four-year-old. But yeah, so should we get going? Might as well, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. How do we want to start this off? Is this officially our, our pilot for Curb, then? Is this going to be released as a Patreon exclusive, or is this, like, is this free feed? This is episode one. I think Patreon first, okay. and then maybe free yeah. feed later. I like that idea. Okay. I, I do, too. So, but, but the do, thing about... do we want to switch anything up with the intro? Because I'm going to be honest with you. This is probably unsurprising. I have nothing prepared. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think we did much pre-homework for stuff. You know, I, I was also trying to remember the format too myself. I was like, we, we've only been off for like a couple weeks. Like, how do I forget how to I do know. this already? But uh, but yeah, so right. Yeah. And, and the thing about it's the show about one thing was a playoff of the show about nothing, yeah. which Curb I feel is like we, not. I feel like we can't do that bit anymore, right? Yeah, right, right. It doesn't make much sense. I mean, even though uh, it kind of, it, it is still about one thing, but the play on words, you know, the play on the phrase, the show about nothing and the show yeah. about I one mean, we're, thing. We're still in the Seinfeld universe. I guess we can still do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, we're still calling the show No Hugging, No Learning, even though that wasn't uh, a phrase attributed to the writing process of Curb. Of Curb. But yeah. certainly, it's, it's, a, it's something that's going to continue. I think it's an ethos that's going to continue to weave its way through this show. So okay. that's why, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's I'm so far removed from Curb. I don't even know what I'd change the name to if I had to, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I'd, I'd probably call it like pretty good or something like that. That's just because it, that's like I think we decided last week one of the you know few things from Curb that is popular enough to have entered the lexicon or the zeitgeist. But anyway, but we're not changing the name. It's still no hugging, no learning. And do you want to say the show about one thing? <laughs> sure, it's a show about one thing. Watching. Curb your enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about what essentially became the pilot episode for the show Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it is Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm from 1999. And before that, we didn't have any homework because we already did the last <laughs> homework episode for Seinfeld. <laughs> so, and I don't have any trivia or tidbits or anything yet because we don't do pre-homework. So I guess... Yeah, I, I, I feel like we... <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's point... We can do like description of the episode and we can do like original air date and yeah, stuff yeah. and we can do stuff like that. But like, I feel totally. like it's pointless to do how old I was at the time of airing because Curb is... A, a much much smaller phenomena than Seinfeld was. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So um, I, if if I'm doing like, oh yeah, here's how old I was whenever it was airing, especially whenever we get into modern seasons. Oh yeah, I was 28 <laughs> years old. I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't <laughs> go well. You don't have to. Don't, you don't have to do all of the. Um, like I was graduating high school when the or I was entering my final year. No, I was entering my first year of college. Sorry, uh, I was entering freshman year of college when this special aired. In October of 99, what I'm just curious, you don't have to do days and hours and everything <laughs> like that, but just October you know, of 99. Yeah. You were, you said you were graduating high school. I, I had just graduated high school and I was, I was one month into my freshman year at college. Okay. I was one month into first grade. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, that is mind blowing. I'm glad we did that. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I, I was in kindergarten 98 to 99. Yeah, and so you were starting first grade. So. And like we're we're not that much like there's there isn't that much of an age difference between us, but whenever we put it like that, yes. my god, it seems like <laughs> it it seems like you are a senior citizen and I am a baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> And that's why it's always weird doing relationship math like that. You know, when you hear like a 50-year-old guy is with a 35-year-old, they're like, oh, well, I mean, that's a little weird. But then when you put it in like terms of like, well, when he was he was 15 when she was born, like, okay, well, that is weird. <laughs> yeah. But but everything, you know, everything elongates the older you get. So it, it obviously becomes less weird. But when you when you do age math that way, it's it's really it, it can be off-putting. But and that's why we've never dated Ted. Just the age. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, I knew you knew that, but I was explaining to people because the tension is always when they listen. I think that's part of why people listen. They want to know yeah. why we never got together. Yeah, they're, they're, they're listening. They're listening for that tension. But uh, I, I, I did know. But you know, sometimes it's uh, it's just good to to hear it from the other person. Yeah, yeah. It can be tough. Uh, you know, it's a tough convo. But you know, it, it's always better to just rip that bandaid off. So we talked in the last episode. If you didn't listen about our relationship with Curb, you'd seen a couple episodes, and I'd seen. All the seasons up to somewhere around, I don't know, the eighth season, I think, is when I stopped watching. And so I haven't really seen them since then. It's not something that I've watched a lot in 
uh, syndication because as we heard last week, the syndication deal didn't last very long if it's even still existing at all. And B, it's really not the way to watch it. And I've not always had HBO. So it's just something that kind of I've loved, but has fallen off the radar. It's like when you have to get rid of a streaming service and you're and there's like one show on there. That you're like, well, I'm going to miss that. But yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I guess should we just should we get into it or or is that it? <laughs> people listening are probably like these guys are such idiots. It reminds me of that tweet we got a while back from the the guy who just started listening. Uh, by the way, <laughs> the guy who pushed us over, we were at one sixty nine for a while, which I know Ted, you as a as a millennial, really loved. I'm sure, but now we're at 171 followers, so, you know, it's great to get new followers, but the guy who was like, you guys are worse with your homework than my fifth graders, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's, yeah, just, um, just spoke to our work ethic regarding this, I guess, like, oh, yeah, well, like, we'll do that next week, next week comes around, it's like, I didn't do that, I forgot. (laughs) I feel like that is the most reliable thing with this show is us forgetting to do things we say we're going to do. I didn't do that, and I'm doing it on my phone as we're talking, (laughs) and I can't find anything because a five-second Google search is not enough to do what I said I would do last week. So sorry about that. Maybe we'll do it next week. Yeah, I, I know it, it never makes the final episode because I always trim it down. But yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this, just know there is literally always a period in the episodes where I'm cutting out dead air of Tim live Googling something yeah, beca- yeah. because it, it goes a lot like this. And I won't cut this out. It's like, uh, yeah, let me let me look that up. Uh, and up. then like you 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 verbalize what you're typing. You're yeah. like, uh, Larry. <laughs> David Big Hog. Uh, yeah, it looks like this. And then I'll just like cut all of that out. Or if I think it's funny, I'll like mash them all together. Like, yeah. oh yeah, let me Google this. Larry David Big Hog. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it is. My fast internet. Um, <laughs> who was, who's Big Hog like took up a lot of the show for like three or four episodes. There was a big hog arc on the podcast. Da- Drax the Destroyer. What's his name? Uh, Dave Batista. Yeah, Batista. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kept on wanting to say David Ortiz, and I was like, "That's not right." But it didn't no, have the same that, sound. Bautista. No, but uh, D- David David Ortiz is Big Poppy. I'm sure Big oh, Poppy does why. have the big hog as well. <laughs> that's why they call him that. Okay, so I guess we'll just I guess we'll just dive into it. I keep trying to get into it, and then let's let's just do it. I, yeah, yeah, I feel like this is gonna go quick, just with how this special was. I don't know. Maybe that's just me foreshadowing something. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought kind of the same thing because it is uh, like it's kind of an anti stand-up special yeah. and I really can appreciate I, that about Larry David. Can I, I I don't know if this is just me spoiling this, uh like r- right up top. I just wanna say I hated this. Really? I I I I didn't laugh once until like halfway through. Wow. I mean it was I, I shouldn't say hate, but it was Wow, not as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Especially to, like, kick off a show that is still running to this day. I'm like, oh, God. I I guess it's good that the show itself moved away from the mockumentary aspect. Right. Because I thought that was fucking awful. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I wonder if that was, like, a reaction to... Like the office, no, the office hadn't even started yet. Jeez, um, did, when did the British office start? Oh yeah, the British office. I forgot about that one. Let me Google. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> two thousand and one. It started in two thousand and one. Okay, so yeah, that's um, that's even later. So 
I mean, maybe you could look at this like when when you say that it does come off as an experiment. Like Larry David didn't want to do, oh, you want to do an HBO stand-up special? All right, we set up cameras. You're on a stage. We record it. We put it on, and that just didn't interest Larry David. Like, well, let, what can we actually do with the format? Let's make a special about me yeah. doing stand-up. We'll pepper some stand-up in between, like me preparing <laughs> for it, and then the the like again, not to jump completely to the end, but. And then the special doesn't even happen, yet you're watching it. It's it's kind of meta that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking it was like leading up to an actual special, and then the the special itself would air separately. Yeah. And then I, I, we'll, we'll get into it more like once we get to like the end of the episode. But I, I did find the description as is written on HBO Max. Oh, there you go. And I, I think this is funny. It says, see how Larry David tries to persuade HBO executives to gamble on a two-part special about his return to the stand-up circuit with help from friends like Jerry Seinfeld and Jason Alexander. <laughs> I think you could add up total length of all the scenes that Jerry Seinfeld and Jason Alexander were in and you would get maybe 30 seconds out of this hour long yeah. special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely less Jerry than Jason, but yeah, there's it's not it's so funny they had to throw those names in to get people to watch. Like he's got friends, you know. <laughs> When it started up, I, I the thing I noticed right off the bat that might have made it difficult to watch if you're not used to it, it was it was delightfully low def. It's like oh my ma- God. It's, it's like zoomed in VHS copied from another zoomed in VHS. <laughs> it was uh it yeah, they, they haven't remastered it or anything. Uh, but as it starts, I wrote down Jeff Garland, but I forgot that in the context of the show, Jeff Garland, the actor, is playing Jeff Green. And this is and, and he's playing Larry's manager. So this is where there's a lot of blurred reality in this special, which I kind of liked him toying around with. But they walk into HBO to see Larry Wasserman. or I'm sorry, Alan Wasserman. I don't know why we're Larry here. And we get, uh, again, some talking heads from Jason Alexander, Rick Newman, the founder of Catch a Rising Star, where I guess Larry David kind of started his stand-up career. I liked the bit where I'm always interested in Larry David's, you know, approach to humor and how it was, you know, I talked a lot in the last podcast about how the yin and yang of of Jerry and, and Larry really were, was like a Lennon-McCartney lightning in a bottle moment for TV. But I liked that, you know, I find myself, again, this goes back to me being a George, identifying more with Larry David's sensibilities than Jerry Seinfeld's. Like if someone tells Jerry Seinfeld something's not, something's not funny, or even if he like he might think, oh, that didn't work because the audience didn't like it. Let me go back and let me go back and rework that joke. Larry David would go, the audience didn't like it because they're stupid. This joke is great. Nobody can tell me to change it <laughs> at all. I know it's funny. And I find myself, you know, more like that than like Jerry. Um, and I like the, the point when uh, Rick was talking about him getting up on stage looking around, doing a 180 of the audience. I think it was Rick who said this and going, never mind. And just walking <laughs> off stage. <laughs> uh, that's like one of the funniest things that you could do. Like, you know, I can tell this is not going to go well. And Jerry's style about Larry's style, again, is is I feel like a valuable insight here. Um, how his opener was, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, good looking people. We're not well liked or something like that was one of his openers. And he would always call the audience, you people, which distanced himself from them, which Jerry thought was a bad idea. But Larry obviously never stopped doing, he even does it in this special, <laughs> you people. <laughs> um, and we, they talked to Richard Lewis for a second. Also another, you know, stand up comic and actor, Carol Leifer, who uh, went on to write for Seinfeld and, and some called the, at least was at least partially the basis for Elaine. She's kind of like the real life Elaine. Glenn Padnick, the guy from Castle Rock, talks about Larry David. Larry Charles 
talks about him returning to stand-up after the success of Seinfeld, and they want to film a documentary for his HBO special, getting ready for the HBO special leading up to the filming and uh, performing of the special. And HBO likes the idea, and we get a weird... This is This is very indicative of what Curb is going to become these little weird improv one-off conversations where Larry says he always nods at black people and Jeff calls it white liberal nodding guilt. Um, <laughs> and Larry says he does it to let him know that he's not one of the bad ones. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It was, it, and, I, and you know, it, it felt like a real, very real conversation. Like Jeff, I felt was genuinely laughing at it. And um, it's got that, um, you know, cinema verite quality to it. If I could get really pretentious. So they meet with Alan Wasserman <laughs> and Judy Toll, who are not HBO development executives. They are actors. Uh, so Aww. again, yeah, um, a, a lot of people playing important parts in this role uh, in this show are actors. I, but but I still was like looking them up every time. I'm like, is that a real? I think I stopped eventually. But but most people are not actual employees. Yeah, like of you HBO. said, it's a, it's that blending reality. You don't know who's who's a real person or who yeah. is who's playing a person that is real who's totally made up yeah yeah and some people ha- are still playing their real names but they're like oh yes i'm judy toll that's my real name and i'm an hbo executive not a stand-up comic you know um <laughs> and they, they they explain the concept like i said hbo likes it and they run into in the near the elevators jeff yerks which is a name that came up in the seinfeld universe before and i don't remember where do you remember where no, I have no idea. Maybe I'll put that. I'll put that down for homework. That's our first little okay. bit of homework for. <laughs> rather than rather than googling it, I'll. Uh, I haven't. I didn't. Even, I didn't even pull up my notes. That's how weird this um this is now. Just how weird and new this is. Because I think it was like a former writer's name that they used uh, at some point. They run into this guy, and it's an acquaintance of uh, Larry's, and he was a writer's assistant on Seinfeld, and he asked for a favor, calling this contact at Warner Brothers to help him land a job in development there. And Larry says. Yeah, no problem. I'll do it. And later he goes to lunch with Mike Reynolds and Susie Soro, again, who are both real people playing themselves on the show, friends of Larry's, uh, other stand-ups. And they're talking about how bad the clubs are now and how Larry should not get back into comedy. And Caroline Ray shows up. And when he introduces her, Larry calls her Carolyn, which I had to rewind several times before I even (laughs) caught. It sounded like Caroline to me each time. (laughs) <laughs> that it really didn't uh i was like what the why is she upset she's like it's caroline but no i just want to say hi bye so she gets all upset about him getting his name wrong uh, and larry thinks she made a fuss and i i know you're probably the same way as me because you got called tim more times than you can count and i got called ted more times than i can count I, I and i think it goes back to me being so bad with names too that if someone gets my name wrong i, I don't really get upset yeah. about it I, I mean, this was even happening to me last night. Like, people that I've worked with for a couple of months, uh, they're like, hey, what uh, what was your name again? Uh. I'm like, Ted. <laughs> and, like, I can tell them, Ted. And they'll be like, Tim? Uh. Uh, I'm like, no, Ted. And, and I, I even tell them, and it really doesn't bug me. But yeah. I'll tell them, like, look, I've been called everything under the sun. Uh, if, it, if it starts with a T and has three letters, I've been called it. <laughs> Ted, Tim, Tom, Todd, Ty, everything. Yeah, I, I, I'm not that upset about it and i think it's because i'm just as bad with names the only time i don't like it is when i can tell someone's doing it out of malice yeah yeah when they're getting it wrong but and and maybe that's what caroline thought larry was doing you know he might be the kind of guy that that would do that or she thinks he might be the kind of guy that would do that and this is where 
someone says that once uh, another talking head where someone says once Larry believes that what he in, in what he's doing, maybe it's Jeff, it's either Jeff or Jerry, but he doesn't take any criticism. Uh, and it reminds me of George's shrimp line and it, uh, <laughs> where he's like, no, shrimp, uh, jerk store is the line. It's a smart line and a smart audience is going to get it. I'm not going to dumb <laughs> it down for some mass audience. That's so much like and even Jason, one of the great things he says at the beginning, Jason Alexander says that once he figured out that he was doing Larry David, it happened at a table read. He would like no one would do this. It, it would never happen. And Larry goes, it yeah. did happen. It happened to me. And that's how I reacted. George is like, ever since then, I was doing a bad Larry David impression on the show. God. Uh, so 44 days to the special. We get a little time code here. He calls this contact at Warner Brothers. Again, how how relatable was this? I know we've talked about it several times because it came up in Seinfeld every so often, too. But immediately when Larry David's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's Larry David. I think he mentioned Seinfeld. And the guy on the other line says he never watched it, not a fan. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just mention that you do a radio show and it's the first thing people will say as well. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't listen. I'm not. A, I've never heard. Never heard it. I wouldn't listen, and I would never will, and uh, I never have. Never heard of it. Like, okay, stop. Thank you. Jeez. Like, what kind of asshole? And we've talked about the various ways that we we deal with that, but I like the way that Larry deals with it. Like, calls him out on it immediately, which is the the way to do it. You know, make him feel like an asshole because it is an asshole thing to say. I'm totally on Larry's side here, even though. So we meet his wife now, Cheryl David, played by the actress Cheryl Hines, and she's worried about the kid now what's going to happen to the quote-unquote kid this writer's assistant you know wh what have you done you know you totally screwed this kid's chances of getting a job because the recommendation turned into an argument with this guy <laughs> <laughs> um and she's like maybe you should write him a letter and i love this is where i laughed i can't believe if you didn't laugh at this dear prick i'm sorry you were such a prick <laughs> and you know maybe I <laughs> maybe i just didn't remember that part that is good yeah i loved his fake his, his apology letter that he was dictating <laughs> like dear prick <laughs> <laughs> and so since we've met cheryl now they they we kind of get a, a couple of talking heads here from jeff and cheryl about how cheryl doesn't like jeff and jeff I don't know if he doesn't like Cheryl, but he just knows that Cheryl doesn't like him, I think. And Larry walks in to... I feel like this is a, this is one of the Seinfeld situations that the show is kind of going to, you know, give us a little nostalgia for. When Larry walks in, Jeff's on the phone, and he doesn't give Larry the one sex sign. Like, hold up a finger. Like, and acknowledge that he's in the room. He just keeps his head down, and he's on the phone, and they have an argument about how disruptive the... All you do, you look up, you do this. <laughs> And he's like, then the other person <laughs> hears me saying one second. Like, no, you don't even have to say it. Just <laughs> And Caroline called Jeff about the name thing. And also, he didn't say goodbye. I love this, too. I love this element about, you know, oh, someone says hello to you in a restaurant. Because have you been in this situation? Like, oh, God, now do I have to, like, wave on my way out? Like, or go back over and say, good to see you? Like, Oh, my God. I think yeah. everyone's been in this situation. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 I love this idea of bringing up, again, like Herb is going to be so good, just like Seinfeld was, of bringing up these everyday relatable experiences like, well, she came over and said hello. Now, I have to say goodbye at the end of it. So she's upset that he didn't do that. 37 days until the concert. Uh, Larry does his first show back at Largo, introduced by the not famous Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, man. Point. Wow. An, un an unmustachioed, unsuited oh. Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. Jeez. How weird I mean, is he, that? He, he might have still been wearing a suit, but it, it was definitely not as, as dapper as modern day PFT. I don't know. I feel like it was trench coat pft not <laughs> not you know original kings of comedy suit pft <laughs> not pinstripe suit paul f Tompkins. yeah it, it was it's 
it was really weird to see him like i'm sure he was famous in the la comedy scene at this point he was obviously emceeing a show at the largo but like nowhere near where he is now even and that was really cool to see by the way since we saw a location i was like oh yeah shit i used to like do something with these the largo closed in 2000 uh 2008 rather this location um i kind of wrote all of these everywhere so the, the Largo opened in 1989 at 432 North Fairfax Avenue, and it closed in 2008 and moved to the Coronet Theater uh, that year. So it's no longer at this location. And Larry gets up on stage, and, and I love his chinos and long sleeve polo that are three or four <laughs> sizes too big. Oh, my gosh. He's dressed like Billie Eilish up there. It's like just like <laughs> his sleeves are like touching the floor. It was crazy. And he opens with a joke that I've always loved from Larry David, and it must have been, I must have heard it in this special, where he's like, you know, I, in case I break into Spanish, can I, I feel like I can use the two form with you. I felt like that was a very funny joke about, that I feel like good, Usted yeah. is going to be too formal. You know? <laughs> and then he goes into like, even Caesar, whenever he was being assassinated by Brutus, he said, et tu Brute. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like when you're being assassinated, that is definitely a call for a formal, a formal you. Yeah. And I loved his over-the-top, but that Caesar, he's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very Jerry Seinfeld delivery I got from that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really. Cheryl notes post-show that he might have said pussy too much. And it's it's at this point that I was like, I, I, we've kind of, well, I've screwed myself by saying let's do Curb next because I used to be able to watch Seinfeld in the middle of the day and the kids could be running around the house or in the next room or whatever, but <laughs> Curb is definitely going to be a no kids around yeah. situation, you, unfortunately. Did you try watching this in the middle of the day and then it's just <laughs> Cheryl saying, you might have said pussy too much. Yeah, everybody comes up and Jeff even comes up. He's like, what? No, say it more. And even Caroline's like, oh, say pussy more. The people really like that. <laughs> Because Caroline Ray does show up again, and she's still mad about the name. And Larry doesn't make it any better. He almost and, and, digs his heels in. And uh, to get him back, Caroline just calls him Lori. <laughs> Lori, yeah. So, and and that's out of spite. So Larry would, you know, he's not upset about it because he sees what she's doing. But if she had done that out of spite, it would have. I would have, you know, agreed that it's messed up. Larry is leaving his office, which I was like, where is this? I guess he still has a little writing office somewhere you know i know a lot of people who don't necessarily have like i I hear showbiz types all the time talking about having offices even though they're not really connected to anything just to just another workspace that's not in your house you know which i'm sure is going the way of the dodo post 2020 it's like why was i even though i'm rich and i could afford it why was i paying for this office in downtown la when i could just stay in my house and do the exact same shit um So Larry's leaving his office, and Ed Krasnick, a writer who shares the space, I think he's listed as Sweetmate in the credits. Ed Krasnick, Sweetmate. So even though he has a name, he's just another guy that works in the same office building, I guess, hmm. with him. And I, I, again, I believe this is a guy, the guy's real name, and he's playing a character named Ed Krasnick. Uh, he reminds Larry David about Mark's father and this condolence thing it's referred to as a wake later on i don't know why they didn't call it a wake here maybe that's yeah i don't know why it was weird that he's he's called it a condolence thing but larry david can't be around mourners and he doesn't want to go and besides it was just his stepfather <laughs> jeez <laughs> his real his dad's still alive this was just his stepfather <laughs> and uh he talks ed into ditching He's like, but but if you go and I'm not there, then it's going to be a thing. So since I'm not going, you can't go. And over at Luna Park, which was at 672 South La Brea Avenue, it closed sometime around 2016. Larry's doing another show. 
before that, he reads the letter to the WB, uh, to the Warner Brothers contact, Wengrad, something like that. He reads the letter to Jeff, but it includes the phrase, even though it wasn't all my fault, I just want to apologize, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Jeff thinks he should rewrite it without that little caveat in there. <laughs> An acquaintance comes up and says that he looked at Larry's old house in the valley, and I guess it's been on the market for a while. And Jeff's like, why do you want to move to the valley? And Larry gives him the stink eye, and this never comes back up. No, I was so confused by this. I thought it was a good line that was going to come back like, I'm trying to sell this house. Why did you make this guy rethink moving to the valley? But it, but it never does. He just kind of <laughs> just kind of gives, again, gives him the stink eye, the crook eye. And inside Luna Park, Larry does a bit about Jonas Salk's mother, and I bet it was infuriating living next to her because no one is going to cure polio like Jonas Salk. And so she's constantly bragging about it. Oh, boy, I know we got a lot of references in Seinfeld <laughs> that were incredibly dated, but talking about the mother of the guy who discovered the polio vaccine? <laughs> wow. Yeah, even in 99, that was at least 30 years, maybe 40 removed. I don't even know the, the polio age. The only reason I feel like it might have aged okay is, like, I literally forgot what Jonas Salk did until he until he said polio. I, I was getting it mixed up with, I think, Joseph Lister, who, of course, invented, like, <laughs> killing the bacteria, like, antibacterial stuff, I think. And so, I yeah, I, I missed the polio line. But polio and vaccines have become, again, in the news once again. And so that may be the only thing that might save it at this point, bring it back around. But in 99, I would say that's really weird. But I don't know what, how could we rewrite it? Like, whose mom is really bragging right now? I would say, like, Fauci is too politically charged to make that a funny joke, especially in comedy clubs these days. So what, like who, I mean, even like everybody's too fucking politically charged. Elon Musk, I was going to bring up, but like, you know, <laughs> even that is, uh, I can't think of anybody even in the last 20 years that would be, whose mom would be like super braggy. I don't know. I feel like you would just have to go to sports, like some sports mom. That's what I was trying to think of as well. Like Tom Brady, yeah, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. mom. Tom Brady's mom. Yeah. But even that just feels, uh, again, compared to Jonas Salk, like, you know, he's rolling in his grave like, Tom Brady? You assholes think me and Tom Brady are the same? God, I'm glad I'm dead. Um, I don't know. Uh, if you have a suggestion, who would you write the Jonas Salk, who would you rewrite the Jonas Salk's mother bit about? Uh, let us know, at No Hugging. That's one thing, by the way, that I guess you could still carry over from the last podcast is, you know, leave us a review and... Get a new sticker. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we'll just have to do yeah. that next week or something. But even I need a new sticker. I don't even have the new sticker yet. Yeah, so leave us a review, too. And tweet us. Rewrite the Jonas Salk bit. At, at an HBO production meeting, they found the perfect venue. It's 3,000 seats. And Larry's like, no. What? Like, he's doing these little comedy clubs that are just full of people who are there to see a whole line of comics. And they're, they've booked a 3,000-seat venue for him in Pasadena. And like, don't worry, we'll fill it up with audience members that we pay, like Marines and convalescents. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And the production designer, Susie, who again is an actress that I recognize. I even looked her up ahead of time. And, and she's just one of those people that's been in, in everything. And she unveils a mock-up of the stage. And it's a recreation of the Seinfeld set. And then when the show starts... It will be on a little uh, Lazy Susan and will spin around. And there's Larry David, the man behind the scenes, the man behind <laughs> Seinfeld. And I, I thought this was kind of cool. Like <laughs> Someone even throws out like, oh, what about like a little craft services table yeah. over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really fill it in, making it look like it's behind the scenes. And everyone loves the idea, but Larry David. 
And everyone's shocked that Larry does not like the idea. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, I, you know, I, I do have a backup idea. And it's, it's just a, a, a normal stage. And there's a big caricature of Larry David. And he's like, well, can you, can you take that off? And she's like, yeah, sure. Then it's just the curtains. He's like, perfect. That's perfect. Right like, she, she's like, you're making my job really easy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But did, did you catch Larry's line to, to Jeff with the, with the caricature? Yeah. Jesus. He's like, if you got a Smith & Wesson in your pocket right now, it'd be a perfect time to point it at my head. Because if I look like that, I don't want to be alive anymore. <laughs> I look anything like that, I know. But it was a good character. It was a funny caricature. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just hilarious. So he hates that too. And and you know this uh, the Seinfeld set mock-up was so incredibly intricate and must have taken days of work. Yeah. And he just he just dismisses it with a wave of his hand. <laughs> Oh my god! And then and then all he wants is curtains. Yeah, that's it. Just a stage, curtains, nothing, nothing back there. I feel like this is something that they would have asked him first, though. In in real life, yeah. Or, or or am I am I off base with what networks do in preparing a special? Yeah, like great I, I thought that I, I thought like it's all not all in uh, the realm of like what the artist or performer wants, but it's not just like, hey, yeah, here's what we're thinking. Yeah, I, yeah, I wonder too. I figured that they just tell the artist and the artist, you know, because every stand-up special I've seen, you know, that it seems to be designed, you know, and approved by the artist, which I guess as, as we see it is at least approved, but but yeah, I mean, it's like they didn't I, even like, ask Larry like what he wanted. Be, yeah, I feel like it would be the artist giving the production team an idea. They're like, okay, yeah, here's what I was thinking. And then the production team rolls with that, not <laughs> yeah. the other way around. Yeah. But maybe that's just how excited Larry is about the special. Like, I don't I don't have any I don't even know if I want to do it at this point, you know. <laughs> and they're like, All right, well, you know, we'll we'll wow you, you know. We want you to be a part of our network, so we're gonna wow you with something. And they came up with this that he that he hated. Over at the Gypsy Cafe, which was at nine forty Braxton Avenue, it closed in twenty nineteen. Just missed the madness of twenty twenty. After thirty years, by the way. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing was, like, it was kind of a hookah bar, and another hookah bar opened across the street, and I guess put this one out of business, because it was the hot new thing, and this one, I guess it lasted a little bit longer, but it eventually closed, yeah, in, in 2019. This bit that Larry David does about how Hitler didn't take shit from magicians. <laughs> Jesus. He, he loved magic, and he would go backstage and uh, insist uh, that they tell him how the trick is done, because he's Hitler, and he would yell like Hitler. Which is which is an absurd bit. I like the idea of putting this monster in this in this goofy box and and acting it and and Larry, you know, being Jewish, I think takes a little punch out of it as well, you know, because mm -hmm. it's certainly you know he's he's definitely making fun of Hitler. Other people could do this and might think you know they might think like this guy sounds like he's saying this is a good thing that Hitler did. <laughs> <laughs> so twenty one days. It's just so interesting how this is a stand up special and. Him practicing for the stand-up special comes in these little spurts, and that's the stand-up. That's the only stand-up that you get in this, so that's the stand-up special. If you gloss over those parts and you go, "Well, I'm, you know, that that's fine," but I'm gonna, I can't wait till the finished I can't wait till we see the finished product right after this. It's just such an interesting way to do a stand-up special to me. It's unlike anything that has ever been done or done since. Uh, it was so weird. 21 days to the concert. They're in LAX, going to New York. Larry runs into Mark, and he makes up a story about missing... This is where they call it a wake, finally. And they just kind of awkwardly stare at each other for a little bit. When I think Larry thinks the conversation's over, but Mark is still just kind of standing there. And so <laughs> to, to get past the awkwardness, Larry asks if he got the flowers that his wife was supposed to send. And so he really throws Cheryl under the bus immediately going... Well, oh, my wife was supposed to send flowers. She didn't send. 
Oh my gosh, I told her you didn't get the flowers. You didn't get any flowers. Oh, I told my wife to yeah, and and then he finds out that Ed went to the condolence thing and even brought flowers. Uh, so Ed was there and Larry wasn't there, which uh, again totally screws Larry. And then you know Mark says something that that does come back up, like death is a part of life, and uh, you know we're all we're all lucky to be here. I don't. Was it Mark that said that, or was it Ed earlier? I forget. Someone says it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I forget. Uh, so in a limo, uh, when they get to New York City, they meet media relations with HBO, Patrick O'Hara, and Larry David says, you know, there are a couple of famous people on the flight, Ellen Barkin and Molly Shannon. Patrick <laughs> asks if Molly Shannon fucked any stewards to death, and he starts cracking up about it, and Larry and Jeff are both kind of clueless, and so Patrick clues them in that Molly Shannon was engaged to these two guys, and they died after having sex with her, and... <laughs> Larry and, and Jeff are kind of disgusted because, you know, Molly Shannon's like a friend of Larry's and they kind of chastise him for talking about it. Like, why are you talking about this in mixed company and spreading rumors about people like this? Because I never heard about it. You know, they, they never heard this before. So they kind of get upset. Over at Gotham Comedy Club, which is still at 208 West 23rd Street. This, oh, I'm sorry, it is not there. This location, okay, so Gotham Comedy Club is at 208 West 23rd. This location is 34 West 22nd. Uh, Gotham Ah. Comedy Club moved in 2006. Yeah. Um, The old Gotham Comedy Club is now Honey Brains Health Food Restaurant. Honey Ah. Brains. Yeah. Okay. I know the the new Gotham Comedy Club is literally right next door to a donut shop that I really like in Mm. New York. What's it called? Donut Plant. Ah. Yeah. I found the Gotham Comedy Club on accident. Yeah. How funny, though, that Gotham Comedy Club is next to a donut place and the old Gotham Comedy Club is a health food restaurant (laughs) and so larry's bit here is about how he once masturbated with 104 degree temperature (laughs) and i like that how it's not really a joke it's just something funny he did and he's just like talking about it but i I think one funny thing about it is i don't know if this was made clear or not but like that he was masturbating and he died during it and he and his uncle in heaven saw him doing it is that what you got out of it i don't know he said like he he saw a white light and he saw his uncle i'm like yeah did his heart stop (laughs) yeah i think that's what he's implying that like you know it (laughs) it pushed him like almost into the next life and but i felt like it could have been made clear i mean not to critique larry david but it could have been made clear that a dead relative was watching him masturbate with 104 degree temperature and not just like a relative who opened the bathroom door <laughs> yeah yeah but but very much in the same way he opened the a dimensional door an interdimensional door and saw him doing it post show at the bar becky comes up and kisses jeff square on the mouth i want to uh, make sure people know becky is not played by a very young samantha b i swore uh-huh. i was like whoa samantha b when she was really nope it is not samantha nope. b <laughs> it's it's definitely someone named Becky. I forget her last oh, okay. name, but yeah, Becky Thile or something like that. Yeah, and they're going to go out, get some food, and maybe do some dancing. Uh, later on at the hotel, we find out it's 1 a.m., so damn. Mm-hmm. For an older dude, Jeff can go hardcore. Like, I'm not into... like, And he's the one who suggests dancing. Yeah, let's go dancing at 1 a.m. Like, we're vampires. Uh, back at the, So back at the hotel, yeah, he's, he's uh, talking to his wife on the phone. Later at breakfast the next morning, Jeff brought Becky, and Larry's like, I, you know, I wouldn't have come if, if you are going to bring her. I don't know. I would have done something else. It was just awkward because his wife, of course, knows nothing about this affair, Jeff's wife. And Jeff suggests, Larry David's like, I don't know. I'm going to go for a walk in the park. And Jeff's like, oh, to the east side? He's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, great. My tie shop is over there. So why don't you walk with Becky through the park? 
And oh man, <laughs> what another great awkward you know social interaction where you know you're put together with this other person just because you're going the same direction and like oh god you can tell larry's like what are you doing to me like giving jeff that look so they're walking in the park making this awkward small talk like she asked him if he likes rollerblading (laughs) he's like no and she's kind of surprised and larry runs into cindy decotes a friend of his and Cheryl's, but it seems like mostly Cheryl's because she's like oh you know Mm -hmm. i was just thinking about cheryl the other day and uh you know we should talk and And Larry David makes the scenario look even more suspicious by making sure to point out that he's walking with this young lady who is a friend of a friend, not his friend that he is walking through the park with on a uh, a sunny winter's day. Um, (laughs) And and Cindy sort of like looks at him sideways. Friend of a friend. It sounds so much worse than, yeah, this is my friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not not even really my friend. Friend of a friend. Yeah. So over at Caroline's Comedy Club, not Caroline Ray's, but uh, Caroline's Comedy <laughs> Club, which is still at 1626 Broadway. It's been there since 1992, and the whole club uh, has been open since 1981. Larry brings up that now would be a good time to cheat on his wife if he wanted to because of the whole Clinton scandal, because she was such a staunch supporter of him. If Larry does the same thing, like, well, you know, what's what's good for the goose kind of thing. And he asks, who do you think has more freedom, a married guy in America or a single guy in communist China? And he'll, he'd go with the single guy in communist China. He's like, I, I, you know, I can leave my country anytime I want, but I can't leave my house. The single guy can, you know, he's like, where do I want to go? I don't, I don't want to go. I don't need to go to a different country, but I, at least that guy can leave his house. Which does kind of delve into like, you know, boomer humor. I hate my wife kind of. Like, that's really yeah. gone by the wayside, I feel like. It really has. My God. <laughs> Wives be bitches, right, guys? I mean, come on. Let's face it. And, and I'm glad that, like, millennials and Gen Z are rebelling against that because it is just so tired. And you know what? And you know, it's so lazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, take my wife, please. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I mean, that joke ha. is, like, carbon dated. It's, like, so fucking old. But, but one thing that I think, like, millennials and Gen Z... And maybe Gen X to an extent, but maybe not. We grew up with The Simpsons, watching this family and this husband and wife that, like, loved each other and supported each other and were attracted to each other no matter what, you know. And it definitely wasn't the typical wives be bitches kind of humor. It was very wholesome in that way. So uh, I'm going to say The Simpsons had a lot to do with with that line of thinking, Uh, even though I was just thinking about it. And Married with Children definitely had that sort of boomer humor part of it. But maybe that didn't appeal as much to younger kids as The Simpsons did. I know I didn't like Married with Children as much as I liked The Simpsons. I, w- I, I wasn't interested in Married with Children at all, uh, I, even though they were on at the same time, you know, on the same uh, fledgling Fox network. So the next scene is in the hotel, and Larry is calling Cheryl, leaving a message. And he's making the situation even more suspicious because he's like, do you talk to your friend Cindy today? Uh, I, I, I ran into her in the park. Um I just didn't know if you talk, you know, don't believe Cindy. You can't believe anything she says. So whatever she said to you, like, he's like dancing around it in such a suspicious way. It was so funny, like, just to hear him riff on this one bit and making it even more, whatever she says, don't believe her. Okay, that just sounds like you're lying at this point. At the front desk of the hotel, Larry's checking out, and the bill is a lot more. There's like a $200 charge for incidentals that Larry's going to be responsible for, not HBO. And it's all these porn movies that Larry ordered. (laughs) And so there's a huge, very loud and public fuss over who is going to cover $200 for porn. And Jeff's like, oh, no, no. HBO's paying for the porn. And they they, Patrick, get over here. HBO pays for the porn. And Larry's like, no, I'm going to... No, everyone stop this. I'm going to... And of course, in front of Patrick, he's like, you know what? Don't tell anybody about this. Because Mr. Loudmouth about Molly Shannon earlier, I wish that would have come back. I wish someone 
would have referenced to Larry later on, like, oh, see any good hotel movies lately or something, and that he'd know that Patrick opened his big mouth. But it, it never pays off, which I hate. Yeah. I hated that. So that's the second thing that, like, just watching this for the first time, first time for me yeah. in general, but first time for you in probably a long time that yes. we've just been able to, yeah, why did this happen? I feel like this would make it a lot funnier. And it's something know. that Curb, you're going to learn, is really good at. The circular nature of the shows where something that happens that seems innocuous in the first five minutes of the show is going to snowball in a way that you have no idea, you have you would never expect, and it pays off in a way that you're like, oh my god, I can't believe they brought it back around like that. And so, you know, the, something so easy as this guy talks shit behind people's backs, he witnesses Larry do something that's, that's really juicy, nothing. Then nothing. You know, it was just such a good setup that maybe it was something that landed on the cutting room floor. Maybe they had to really pare this down or something, but it, it's a shame that they, they could have taken this out. We didn't need this front desk scene. We could have had a yeah. little bit more stand-up or something uh, if they're not going to pay it off. So 16 days to the concert, back home in L.A., he is lying to – Larry's lying to Cheryl about what happened in the park. He says – you know, she's like, all right, what what the hell was that message all about? He's like, all right, you know – I. It was a guy from college. It was his girlfriend. We all met up, and then she was going to the same place I was in the park. And so he's like, I, I swear on my children's lives that I'm not having an affair. She's like, you swear on your children's lives that it was your friend from college's girlfriend. <laughs> Larry has to, like, reassess in his mind. And he's like, I, I swear on my child's lives, my children's lives, it's, it's not my girlfriend. And Cheryl keeps like, you know, then, all right, well, let's pivot from that and go. And she's like, is it Jeff's? <laughs> and Larry just won't. He just won't answer. He won't. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just won't even acknowledge the question, and she, you know, that kind of gives Cheryl the answer at that point. But he's like, you know what? All, all this, uh, all this swearing on my children's lives, I'm not, I'm not really comfortable with. <laughs> he gets very serious, and it, it, you know what? Another weird thing about Curb the show is, I don't think Larry David has children in the actual series. I'm almost certain he doesn't because I don't remember any storylines involving <laughs> them. So it's weird that he involved them in this special, which makes sense because they're trying to make it as real as possible. But then I guess when Larry yeah. David became a character, it's like, that's not going to work. We can't have him do all this stuff and be a dad, probably. So uh, we get a little bit more comedy. I don't know where this is taking place, but uh, it's about how putting together a posse in the age of the answering machine would have been very tough. And he goes off on this. I thought this was funny, this extra long riff about like leaving an awkward conversation about, hey, uh... We're um, putting a posse together. Uh, we're going after the the blah blah gang, and you know they're pretty tough. And we got three guys now, so we'd really love your help. It, it was it was just super realistic about how somebody who's like not trying not trying to beg, but but also really imploring somebody via message to join this posse. And then later on, you could just not go and go. Oh, the posse! What happened? I was gonna. I, I even showed up, and everybody had gone. They said you just left. I must. I got. I got home at three, and so I. I went there, and you guys had already left. <laughs> uh, just sort of, you know, ascribing a modern, you know, awkward social situation to a different time is is hilarious. Six days to the concert at the Laugh Factory, which is still at eight thousand and one Sunset, where it's been since it opened up. Interestingly enough, in a mere seven years, this is where. Michael Richards would get up on stage oh. and Laugh Factory be like, I'm about to end this man's whole career. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> to be just... fair, I don't think it was the Laugh Factory no, that ended Michael Richards' career. <laughs> it wasn't. It was I Michael... think it was I think it was Michael Richards. Yeah, Michael Richards himself. Just an interesting geographical <laughs> crossover there. 
Larry is talking about how uh, when he cannot wipe himself anymore, that's when he's going to call Dr. Kevorkian. That's when a mercy killing is acceptable, <laughs> which is very dark. And the audience also does not. The joke bombs. The, the entire bit bombs. And it would do even worse now because like I, Dr. Kevorkian was just probably even barely a thing in 99 anymore. And Jeff mentions that Larry is not at peace after bombing until he does well. And so he doesn't even bring up the bombing because it's just something he has to stew in. Uh, so 51 hours until the special, uh, we see the, the Pasadena Civic Center, wherever they are. And it's still, it says, Larry David, tickets still available, <laughs> which I thought was a Jeez. funny little uh, Easter egg bit in there. Larry goes in and he is overwhelmed by the venue. It's just little old him on stage and like all of these empty seats and he's staring out. And as he's looking out behind him on the stage, the giant caricature lowers down, which was a great visual bit uh, that I definitely cracked up at. Uh, so he wrote, he goes right to HBO to meet with Alan Wasserman and Judy. And he's backing out of the special because his stepfather got into a car accident and he's in a coma. Oh, my uh, God. And he got into the car accident because his mom told him to put his seatbelt on while he was driving and he hit a, a pole. Um, I thought this explanation went on. This bit went on too long for me. This is where yeah. I was like, this is this I'm went done. on for quite a while. Yeah, it had some funny lines, but they took a long time to get there. Like, I like the bit where he's like, well, how, you know, how long do you have to be in Florida? He's like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in charge of comas. <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> but again, this bit, I was like, we get it. We're done with the scene. Let's get out as soon as we can once we've established that. And, and he even steals the line. I forget again, Mark or Ed, but he, you know, he just stares at him on his way out. And he's like, you know, uh, death is a part of life. Um, we're lucky to be alive. And he gives them both hugs and, and Alan's like, gives him an out. He's like, if it's something else, now is the time to let us know. And Larry's like, I swear on my children's lives that this is what, <laughs> and he's like, say no more. <laughs> it like satiates. It satisfies Alan. And as Larry goes to the front desk, uh, again, like he's like, now he's like bouncing as he's walking. He's so happy. I loved that little bit that he's like. He just told he just told this huge lie that his stepfather died, and he's like bounding out of there as happy can be that he he uh, this great work opportunity he has canceled himself. And at the front desk, as he is getting his parking ver verified, Jeff Yerkes is there. So obviously he didn't get the job at <laughs> Warner Brothers, and he confronts him about the recommendation. Oh yeah, well thanks for the recommendation. Great, uh, really great that you insulted the guy, and then you wrote to him insulting him even more. Um, Larry, you know just kind of walks out he goes to the elevator and the credits start rolling over uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong's let's call the whole thing off and that's it 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 all just kind of ends like that very very quickly ah boy yeah. so that is it so where, where was the part that you remember laughing at um the part that I remember laughing at <laughs> uh, if there were several uh, what did you yeah what did you like about it God, let me think back. Because I, I watched it in two parts. I watched it part Friday night and part this morning. Yeah. Fuck, now I'm not remembering. <laughs> there, there were a few parts that I did chuckle at, but it took me a while to get into it. But the thing that was like just bouncing around in my head uh, was uh, the line of, not even like a line that they said, but it was just, uh, wow, this is just like Seinfeld. It's all of the neuroticism, but with none of the humor. Uh <laughs> That, that was your assessment of it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Is that even the right word? Neuroticism? Neuroses, I... maybe? Neuroses? No, I feel like that's wrong. Well, neurotic. Neuroses. Ne that sounds... Neuro 
Neuroticism, trait of disposition to experience oh. negative effects, including anger, anxiety, self-consciousness, irritability, emotional instability, and depression. Neuroticism. All of the neuroticism, neuroticism, none of the humor. It sounds too much like eroticism to me. It was all, it was all the Seinfeld with none of the eroticism. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, and I agree that watching this and knowing Curb, it felt like this should have been an unaired pilot. This should have been proof of concept. Yeah, like, this should be. This should have been like the DVD extra on season one of Curb that a tenth of the people who have seen Curb have seen. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like here. Here's the unaired pilot of Curb that we were shopping around to networks to try to get them to make this series. But yeah. no, the series wasn't even on the table when he did this. It was this was the special, and it was like that's <laughs> yeah. that's it. This is a one-off Larry David special, and then they were like, wait a minute, you like did this I, in a I way can't... that we can develop. I can't believe this was th- th- this was it for a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before they were like, all right, yeah, we'll we'll make a show out of this. That's great. I, I mean, I I and it, I, I'm going to be curious to see in this first episode of Curb what it looks like. Yeah, you know? I just I just really like, and I know I said I hated this up top. <laughs> I, I I take that back. I don't hate this, but I I am very solid in the opinion that if I'm an executive. In 1999, if I'm a TV executive in 1999 and I see this, I'm not offering them a series. <laughs> I, I don't I don't see it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where does it go? What I think it, it hurts it a little bit is it, it is all framed around, you know... It's very heavy on the mockumentary. Yeah, yeah. We know what it's supposed to accomplish by the end. Like, there's an end goal. And when you start up an episode of Curb, you don't know that end goal. And that's one thing that surprises you about it, I think. And one other thing I think that Curb benefits from is it's whatever it's going to be, 26-minute runtime. You know, like there were lots of times when that we acknowledged in this where we're like, that was too long. You know, it, it, it sat on this <laughs> bit for too long. And I feel like when it's all pared down into a half-hour sitcom format, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable in little spurts like that as opposed to an hour-long special. But I appreciate what he was trying to do. Like, it was, again, it's great proof of concept. Like, and it's interesting, like, stand-up's not going to be a part of Curb, but that's something that I didn't pick up on that was, like, so much like Seinfeld. Like, he has the affair thing. Then he has the bit about the affair, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's all very... It was That was very much like Seinfeld, where the stand-up segments, some that happened in the middle of the show, had to do with what we were watching. And so it's interesting that he went back to the well for that format. Uh, we, go for from, uh, we go from Jerry Seinfeld's Red Room to Larry David's Red Room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Larry David's uh, Lynchian interdimensional portal uh wherever it was it's gonna get a lot better but i feel like this was a good primer for for what we're gonna see so what did did you look up what's going on in the very first episode next week if we're watching the tv guide channel and hbo scrolls by well let's see do we want to end this like we like we ended all of our seinfeld episodes i think so i think we want to know what at least the fact that oh well i mean yeah what do we what do we got for homework this week oh i just wrote down yurks um where Yerks. Yerks popped up in oh, that's Seinfeld right. universe again. Okay. Yeah. What do uh what do you like for cover art for the uh what should be unaired curb your enthusiasm pilot? Good question. One one thing I gotta bring up is like it, it may not have been the exact font, but the font through this whole thing is almost comic sans, which is perfect. <laughs> which is like so perfect for this, I feel like. <laughs> It's like, let's use the anti-humor font for this anti-humor special. <laughs> but what, uh, God, maybe him on the big stage with the character behind him? Like that what, that shot from the end, kind of? That might be good. Okay. There's a, 
like him looking like up that. at it. That might I be like good. That. Yeah. Besides that, I can't can't think of anything else that might be might be good because I feel like him doing stand up might be something else in there. But I feel like him on the stage uh, might be the best. What uh, anything you were thinking? No, I I, I think that's I think that's yeah. also uh, the the best best option. Yeah. But I'm looking up episodes for some reason. The TV Guide website only has odd episodes for <laughs> season one. That's weird. Or maybe it has all of the episodes, but it goes because there's only ten. But yeah. it says episode one, episode three, episode five, episode seven, episode nine, eleven, thirteen, fifteen, seventeen, nineteen. What? <laughs> but there's ten episodes. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. So if you are looking in TV Guide, the night of, I'm trying to find a release date or an air date. Uh, the night of October fifteenth, two thousand, to see what the uh, the premiere of this new series, Curb Your Enthusiasm, is going to be about on HBO. I don't know. Does does TV Guide publish HBO listings? I think so. I think like probably HBO, Cinemax, Showtime. At that okay. time, they would have included the big those big three. Did okay. I say Cinemax? I th- yeah. yeah, I think you said Cinemax yeah. and HBO and and, and Showtime. Uh, in Showtime, yeah. Uh, if you're looking at TV Guide the night of October 15th, 2000, you are going to see Larry has some problems with his pants, leading to a series of misunderstandings with Larry David, Cheryl Hines, and Jeff Garland, guest starring, guest starring Richard Lewis, Kathy Griffin, Robin Ruzon, Susie Essman, and Lewis Nye. Kathy Griffin, interesting. Sally Kellerman, is that right? Something like that? Sally Weaver. Sally Weaver. <laughs> I don't know. Where'd you get Kellerman? I feel like that's a politician. Hang on. <laughs> Let me Google. <laughs> oh, no, she's an... Oh, no. Oh, my God. That's why. She's an actress. She just died. She was... Um, uh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. She was in MASH or something like that. Um, oh, was that... Is that one of the... Uh, episodes of Mark Marin that I marked as played this morning. Oh, probably. <laughs> I, he, he, yeah, I'm sure he had her on because she played his mom on his show. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, she'd done uh, a bunch of other things. Uh, yeah, and it's called the Pants Tent, isn't that right? I don't know if the episode yeah. title is there. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, pants the tent. P- the Pants Tent. So interesting that this special aired October seventeenth, nineteen ninety nine, and and pretty much exactly a year to the day later. Uh, yeah, Fifty one yeah. weeks later. They uh Oh no, no, October fifteenth. You said October seventeenth and October fifteenth. Yeah, yeah, right. Two days. Just two days. So I believe I think Curb was always on Sunday nights. Uh, I think that must have been a Sunday night if I'm uh, remembering correctly. So all right. That will be exciting to get this started. This is definitely an episode that I remember. It's a very funny uh plot line, um and a very awkward social situation that Larry's gonna get himself into for the first episode. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who I got into there. But is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. <laughs>